Hello and welcome to The Dime. I'm Drew Danikian, joined by Jeremy Harcher. How are you doing today, Jeremy? Drew, I'm doing very well. It's a Friday afternoon. A bit more sunshine would be great, but other than that, I'm very happy. Extremely happy about the NBA season. Well, the preseason kicking off tomorrow. It's wonderful to be back. It's been a wild, wacky offseason with more play and movement than I can remember. More, in fact, than the Patrick Ewing trade in 2000, which landed the former Nick on a, in a Seattle Supersonics jersey. Do you remember that one? I blocked that out of my memory. Anything that doesn't involve Ewing in a Nick jersey or a team in a Houston jersey, I've blocked that out. I know I, hunt, I, I hunted down the Glenn Rice because Glenn Rice was involved in that trade and he went to New York for just the one season. And I was so keen for, you know, Glenn Rice... New York jersey. I was a massive fan and also brought Horace Grant to the Lakers and another one of my favorite players of the 90s. It was Chuck Person, who had the best nickname ever, the Rifleman. Remember that? Love Chuck. Love Chuck. Love, Love a bit Chuck. of Chuck. Battle yeah. with Larry Bird. Yes. In 92, 91, 92. That was amazing. It was good. And it also got Greg Foster, who probably, and Emmanuel Davis to the Lakers. And I think that's what got Shaq and Kobe back-to-back titles in the 2000-2001 season. Could be. Well, was Horace I'm glad Grant. we're sticking with public all uh, stories to start the show, Drew. It's fantastic. Keep, 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 keep bringing it on. I love the history lesson. Well, it's just for me, it's a bit of an omen for all the Lakers fans out there because they went back-to-back that season. And this season, they got some tasty acquisitions. They signed Dennis Schroeder, sixth man of the year, Montrez Harrell, Wes Matthews, and the super Spaniard, super Spaniard Marcus Gasol. And that was enough for LeBron to get an extension, the two-year 85 mil. Anthony Davis put pen to paper for five years and 190 mil. And now the Lakers, look looks like they're cooking again. They're the powerhouse for years to come. Are you happy with those well, moves? Look- Is that enough to keep you know the Lakers in the hunt for perennial playoffs and finalists? Look, I think uh, the big difference between this offseason and the last offseason is this time last year we had a legitimate conversation. Who is the best team? Like there was five or six teams you could make a case for mm-hmm. as the number one team. This year, it's not even a debate. Uh, the Lakers, even if they'd done nothing, would still probably be the number one pick. But with the moves they've made, they're absolutely with a bullet. So far and away ahead on paper. You know, compare it to Milwaukee's so-called big moves and the Lakers are just so much better than that team. Uh, they were already better on paper than Miami, who was their finalist. No one's even talking about, quite rightly, as a real top contender. But yes, I believe those moves that the Lakers did were very, very good. I think um, Montrez Harrell, his limitations are clear, but he's going to help them when they're resting guys, uh, those big stars through the season. Um, and that's that's going to be a huge... And even Schroeder, like they're going to need guys on any given night to step up and do things because LeBron... Uh, I mean, Davis misses lots of games every year anyway, and LeBron is going to miss more than he probably ever has from a resting point of view this year. Um, so I don't think there's a whole lot you can say uh, against the Lakers' moves, and especially con- considering we're comparing it to the team, the Motley group they had last year. Um, it's a huge step up from that. Yeah, I think it's well-rounded. Like, Schroeder... Went to OKC, tested himself. He had some good years in Atlanta, but, you know, really last year was his coming out party, I thought. Uh, I thought he was amazing last year. And in my eyes, 
should have been the sixth man of the year. And Montrez Harrell, you know, the effort, you know, crashing the boards, finishing on the inside, runs a great pick and roll. You know, it's, it's going to be tough. You know, you run horns with Anthony Davis and Montrez Harrell and like, where's the weakness? Like you got Harrell cutting to the basket, LeBron passing over the top of any short ass guard attempting to, you know, stop him. And it's just, it's unfair almost. I don't know. It's already unfair having Ron and Davis together, honestly. I mean, I think the thing is people forget. Oh, I think people think about they're obsessed with three, three stars. You know, three. they really want three stars. But the thing is when you have LeBron and Davis, it's, it's almost better than three stars because it's a lot harder in this current climate to guard those two guys than pretty much any combination of any other players in the, in the league because – the most desirable guys, the guys that are making a difference in the league, across, if you look at all the superstars, they tend to be twos and threes. And yeah. they tend to be people that can be versatile and that can hit threes. I mean, Giannis is an exception. But generally, versatile, two, three, uh, and can hit threes and make plays. Now, the Lakers have two of those guys. Not only are they not two and threes, they're three and fours, but they can play like two and threes. They can keep up with two and threes. They can guard two and threes. Um, so I just... that trying to guard the Lakers uh, and, and, you know, they shored up their defense with the coaching last year and I am confident they'll be at least as good as they were last year defensively. Probably not better, but um, they, uh, they're just so hard to stop on the, the other end of the floor. It's, yeah, I, I, I just can't go past the Lakers at this stage. I like what the Clippers have done, um, but Miami, have they done enough? I'm going to say no. Will they bring in Mo Harkless, um, Avery Bradley? Um, that's about it. And yeah, look, I, you brought up the Clippers there. And I think it's important to note. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a quiz here. Uh, do you, can you recall? I mean, first of all, who do you think is better, Marcus Morris or Marquise Morris? I think Marquise is better. Okay. So... Um, if that's the case, and I, I, I'd probably make a case that they're pretty similar. I don't think it's demonstrative either way, but if Very you think Marquise is better, that's fine. <laughs> Almost twins. <laughs> so, for all the listeners out there, Marquise Morris signed a one-year extension to start one-year contract with the Lakers, just over two million, and Marcus Morris for the Clippers signed a four-year, sixty-four million-dollar contract. Um, which, depending on how you, you know, their value is probably somewhere in between that. I think two million for Marquise is ridiculous. It's an absolute and, steal. And four years, so that's a great example of where the Lakers are versus the Clippers in terms of their um, financial um, smart. I guess um, that they somehow got themselves convinced that four years, sixty-four million for Marcus Morris was a good idea. Uh, and you, and you, you'll bring up, I'm sure, in a moment, um, the Paul George contract that just got announced today. Yeah, um, and it, it was a they're pretty locked in that, for that squad. Um, Kawhi is obviously the big question mark, though, isn't it? I don't know. I think Kawhi. You know what you're going to get with him. You're going to get a game or I two. Like, back, oh, in terms player, of player. yeah. Look, I, I, I think Kawhi is amazing. Uh, the deal for Paul George, I'm not sold on. I just think it's too much. Uh, I wasn't. How much was it? Too much. 
Too much, too much, too much. Yeah, it was 226 million over five years. I, I think it's Less about. John I think it's about 40, 40 mil too, too much. Compared to a guy who he, he just hasn't won a series, like he doesn't win you a series. His defense wasn't as good as what it usually is or has been throughout the years. He failed in the playoffs last year. I I just think I can't reward that play with Max. that amount of money and that length of a contract. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you. I think you offend him if you offer him a four-year contract that's not the max, uh, and then and then he doesn't accept it, and then you go into the season without an extension, and then all the media talk is will he resign? Is he going to leave? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And then if you're trying to win a title, you can't afford any of those distractions. So unfortunately, it's almost the price of being contender. You've kind of got to accept that sort of contract. Yeah, I I just can't. I just look around the league and like you did say, like Morris for two mil, uh, DeMarcus Cousins on a minimum contract, Hassan Whiteside comes back to Sacramento on a minimum contract. Those guys don't equate to Paul George and what he brings to the table. Paul George is a legitimate all-star, but I, I think this does hinder the Clippers' flexibility, and I could see him getting traded within two years. I can see the But Clippers... I don't think the Clippers want flexibility. I think they want to just keep what they have, and that's, that's the challenge for them, keeping Kawhi and Paul together and lock them up for the next four years. Obviously, if they could get a Kawhi extension going as well, then those that money for Paul George might look a bit more palatable. Yes. Yeah, if they could because retain you're right. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi was to leave. If Kawhi was to leave and they were left with that Paul George contract without a second superstar, He's the then next they could be in a bit out. of trouble. I agree with you. I, I want to touch on the Rockets, another Western Coast, uh, West Coast team. Russell Westbrook for John Wall and a future first-round pick. Which side of the fence are you sitting on? Who do you see got the better of that deal? The Houston Rockets or the Washington Wizards? Well, I don't think it's the question. Um, if if Wall's contract was longer than Russell's, then we could have a debate. But they're the same length. So it's absolutely uh, Washington getting Russell Westbrook. Washington's not going to ever sign a superstar free agent. Uh, Russell's about as big a star as they're going to get. Um, he may not... Um, be as good as he used to be, but in the East, he's just going to carve it up. And to be honest, with John Wall, he hasn't played for two years. I mean, he hasn't played for two years. And I'll give you a question here. Here's a question. In 2022-23, which player out of Russell and John Wall earn more money on their current contract? Oh, it's something like $45 million their last year. It's something silly. So, They're very close, but I'll tell you, Russell Westbrook actually gets less in that final season than John Wall does in 2022-23. I'll give you, I'll read it out just for everyone's interest. John Wall, in his last year of his contract, will get $47,366,760. I can report that he is opting into that contract in 2022-23. (laughs) Yeah, we can forecast that one, uh, can't we? And Russell Westbrook is about 300 bucks 
sorry, three hundred thousand uh, dollars less than Russell Westbrook's uh, than John Wall's forty seven, basically almost basically forty seven million exactly. Uh, forty seven million plus your salary, Drew, is what uh, John Wall that Westbrook will get. Plus in my salary times six. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so Washington uh, Wizards I, I get a steal there. Better part of that deal. Yeah, on when I first heard of the trade, I was shocked but excited. I thought John Wall, super flashy point guard, awesome backcourt running mate for James Harden, a legitimate distributor, would really push the tempo in transition. But are we going to see how are his legs? You know, is he going to hit the hit the floor running? Like you said, he hasn't played since December 2018. Injury-riddled Look, season, I, I hate slowing to say him it, down. What, what I'm, oh. I'm oh. pretty confident that John Wall will come out absolutely gangbusters. And, and somewhere between four and 20 games, he'll look great. He'll fucking he'll speak. He'll do everything right. He'll speak to the media well. Uh, and then and then something will happen. It might not be a serious injury, but he'll get a niggle. He'll get some plantar fascia issues. Something will go wrong. Um, you know, at best he'll get a you know a fifty-five game Amari Stoudemire season that he had with the Knicks that first year um, before you know the body broke down. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm wrong, but John Wall, a bit like Derek Rose, relied so much on his uh, athleticism. Um, and sure, you know, Rose has turned into a very nice post-prime player, but I don't know if uh, teams are going to have patience enough for a post-prime John, John Wall, and I don't think they have enough stars around. I've, to, um, I've seen some awesome highlights. I know it's just, you know, pick-up games and him warming up, but pulling 360s out, you know, running the fast break, you know, dri- crossover, crossover, step back three. Like, it looks like his range is there. He looks flashy. Doesn't look like he's lost too much of a step. I watched the highlights of about 11 minutes of um, his pick-up games the other day before they entered, uh, before he um, checked in. Uh, with the Houston Rockets, and he looks he looks good, but I think what Russell Westbrook would bring to the youth of the Washington Wizards, you can't really put a dollar on at this point in his career. I think he would be an amazing motivator and perfect backcourt partner for Bradley Beal, who's coming off his best season as a pro with John Wall sitting the entire season, I think um, Russell Westbrook could be looking at averaging a triple-double again. You know, he's only got to beat Thomas Bryan out for a rebound or Hachimura. So, and we all know how Russ loves that Robin Lopez. Robin Lopez will take a few rebounds off him. Oh, he was too busy fighting the mascots and pumping up the crowd. But, yeah, you're probably right. Probably right. Look, uh, Scotty Brooks can uh, can coach this team, um, which you could suggest he, he should be able to. He's got a former relationship, clearly, with Russell. Yep, when he He's was coaching quite with OKC. Hard. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Look, the main thing you want to be, especially in the East, is you just want to be relevant. You just don't want to be like my Chicago Bulls, who, who once again will be completely irrelevant this season. But that Washington squad with Westbrook and then all their young kind of rising stars back, that's, uh, you know... The upside there is maybe a five seed, maybe, maybe, but definitely, but definitely a playoff thing. 
I think definitely a playoff team in the East if um, Thomas Bryant can stay healthy. Um, they say uh, sign Bertans to a, a crazy deal, but hey, the guy can shoot. He's awesome. Um, he stretches the floor perfectly. Um, they brought in Raul Neto, Ish Smith again, backing it up, and they got the rookie, Denny Avdia. So there's options there for... Um, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal to dish the ball to. They've got some wing scorers. You know, it doesn't look too bad in Washington. You're right. Maybe a, a fifth or sixth in the East would um would be off the charts for them and above expectations. Westbrook guarantees you, pretty much, if you look at his career, he guarantees you 47 wins as an absolute floor. Like, he's never going to lose... He's never going to win less than 47 games. He almost won uh, 47 games in UCLA in one season. That's how good the kid is. So he, he, he will bring a winning culture, winning basketball, and uh, he doesn't take a night off. I mean, he, he got arrested a couple of times last year, but he really is very durable. He's the complete opposite of John Wall in that department. You're not wrong. Sticking with the Houston Rockets... The James Harden fiasco. What's your stance on that one? Is he going to be traded, you know, before he plays a game this season? Or are we going to look to for him to build his trade value with John Wall and then he be moved? Because I don't see James Harden sticking around in Houston. Look, no. no there is no precedent, really, for a superstar this early in the season as the number one option on his team um, going into the season with this unhappy uh, and not being traded. You have to go a long way back in history. And when we're talking about the 90s with Scottie Pippen and Hakeem, like they're the only superstars who demanded a trade and didn't get traded. But that's just a different world. The NBA does not operate like that anymore. The news cycles don't operate like that, that anymore. Harden's dissatisfaction will never go off the front page of NBA uh, gossip threads. So right. I I don't see him playing – I really don't see him playing any basketball for Houston. Um, but, yeah, he, he might play a game or two just to keep the cobwebs from coming in. He loves playing. He, he's another one who's extremely durable, never misses a game barely for injury, and it's never more than one in a row, uh, more than uh, two games in a row. So I um, – the main thing is where where do you see him fitting? I definitely do not see him fitting in Brooklyn, and those uh, the rumours of that have definitely subsided, and it really just looks like Philadelphia is the only sort of suitor for him. Um, where do you see him going, and where would you like to see him going? That's a very good question. For me, there's only one option out there, and it's a three-team trade with the Philadelphia 76ers and the Golden State Warriors. And I think it's James Harden. Uh, uh, James Harden goes to the Philadelphia 76ers. Wiggins goes from Golden State to Houston, along with Wiseman from Golden State to Houston. And then... Philly ship Ben Simmons to Golden State. So Golden State uh, get Ben Simmons. And I think Houston get a first-round draft pick from each team as well. 
So Houston get Wiseman, uh, Wiggins, two or three future first round draft picks. And yeah, Philly get James Harden. And Ben Simmons partners up with um, the Splash Brothers. I, uh, I actually really like that. I haven't heard that one before, Drew. That's, uh, that's quite novel. And, I mean, I just can't see three uh, teams that want to contend, well, are at a state of contending, all trading with each other. Um, but if that happened, mate, that would be amazing. I'd love to see Ben Simmons in a new place, especially a place like Golden State where they would um, got a great coach and Steph Curry. I think Ben Simmons and Steph Curry together could be amazing because Steph is actually a point guard who's quite comfortable off the ball. Um, so, and very few of the superstars in the NBA in this day and age are comfortable off the ball. And Ben Simmons last season, even with Philadelphia's three-point shooting woes, assisted for the most three-pointers in the entire league. So I think pairing him with legitimate shooters, like not marking, okay, I, I think what Philly have done this season or in the off season has been spectacular. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But if you could get Ben Simmons on his five-year deal, his you know max extension, which has already been signed, partnered with you know just the brains of Golden State, I, I think it's next level crazy for Ben Simmons. He'd be jumping out of his skin instead of playing with um, Joel, the big moping center Embiid. Not that all hope is lost in Philadelphia, but I just see that as the best trade for all teams. Houston get back the draft picks that they sold up the river with uh, CP3 and Russell Westbrook, uh, and they get Wiggins and Wiseman. They could probably even get another role player or something as well from either team. I I think Philly would be crazy not to throw in Terrence Ferguson or, you know, even uh, Matisse Thibel or something like that. Like, you know, some there's some good quality wings in Philadelphia that could find a really good home at the Rockets and get major minutes, be contributors. Yeah, I agree. Look, I, I, I love Thibel, but his trade value probably won't be ever any higher because once you go through to your next season and you are just the same as you were the season before, that trade value disappears quite quickly. Um, so, And I don't think he's a star. I think he's a solid seventh man on a really good team. Oh, 100%. Um, coming off the bench, defense, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, as I said, I, I can't really fault that trade idea you've just put together. Um, but I, I, uh, I have a feeling that many top teams working together probably won't happen. Highly um, unlikely. Yeah, I just don't see. You never know. I don't see one trade, like one team, being able to come in and get it done for what Houston actually want for James Harden, because otherwise he would he would have been moved by now. Like if if Houston weren't asking the world, you know he'd be gone. I think they're asking for at least three or four first round draft picks, and then you know some gun players and some role players. And I think that's why the Brooklyn potential trade got shut down is because they just didn't find Spencer Dinwiddie or Karis Levert to be that premium player, the franchise player. You know, a, a bunch of great role players and good players, but not not a superstar that 
you know, Houston would want in return? The one thing you can't forecast is the impact, tension and concern and media pressure put on the owners and the owners in particular, oh, yeah. but the structure of a club. And that's the thing that's going to really uh, determine what this trade is going to be. It's almost certainly going to be a bad result at the end of the day for Houston. The track record of trading a super duper star and getting anything of value, <laughs> even on the day, let alone as the history you know, shows what happens later. Because um, obviously trades in the moment can look good and then a year later look terrible. They very rarely look better a year later when yeah. you trade a superstar. So, well, look, um, look at Anthony Davis, for instance. You know, they got back a fair package for Anthony Davis and now Anthony Davis is a NBA champion. He's laughing at the and Larry O'Brien trophy was, and yep. what, what do New Orleans have? They got Zion Williamson. You know, they got, they got a good middle of the pack team. But even the even the Davis trade only looks good because they already had Zion. Zion had nothing to do with Anthony yeah, Davis true. trade. So if they didn't have Zion, that trade would look absolutely awful. But they've got Zion as this headline item. No matter what they do, they're always going to have Davis. I mean, ideally, Davis and Zion together would have been awesome. But that wasn't enough, and there was too much bad blood by that stage for it to uh, to work. Yeah, what was the t-shirt he wore? I can't remember. I'm done. Or that's all. Fun. That's all, folks. That's it. <laughs> How good. Well, it's not all, folks, for the Philadelphia 76ers because they signed Seth Curry and Danny Green, well, you know, traded, brings in finally some legitimate shooting that they lacked last year with the loss of J.J. Redick and Josh Rich- Richardson really didn't cut the mustard in the Jimmy Butler trade, did he? Yeah, Josh Richardson certainly wasn't um, what they needed. Uh, JJ would have been fine. JJ would be good uh, in this season too. But uh, Josh Richardson and the other guys that Philadelphia had um, around Simmons and Embiid just didn't work. Um, I don't know, though, if Doc Rivers is the coach you want when you're trying to unclog your offense. Um, Initially, I thought D'Antoni was going to be an assistant with Philadelphia until he realized it was Brooklyn that he went to. Um, but that's the kind of assistant coach I would have liked to have paired with Doc. Um, Doc's a great man manager, and they definitely need a man manager because Brett Brown did not manage those players well. No, didn't manage um, the egos at all. Get them. Look, he, he's probably enough to get them to a top four and contender getting to the conference finals, but that's what they should have always been already anyway. Yes, so, with that team. Um, with that team on paper, they underachieved last year. And their one shot, the Kawhi Leonard shot that touched everything, every apparatus on the basketball ring and backboard and dropped. So, yeah, one shot away. That Kawhi, I will say this till I'm, blue in the face that Kawhi shot was wonderful and won the series but that wasn't that wasn't to take the lead it was the scores were level in that game and I I watched every second of that series and Toronto was going to win that game I think Philadelphia were not I think that was the shot that won them the title let's not muck around I thought you know whoever was in the finals from the east was going to win it that season but yeah 
But that you sure? But they started to go through Milwaukee after that. Oh yeah, geez, I forgot about that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, guess I totally forgot about that, that one. Philadelphia did all that stuff and got to the second round, and that was with Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler, as, as he showed in the playoffs last year, you have to have a player like Jimmy Butler if you want to advance into the playoffs. And yeah. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are not players like Jimmy Butler. They're not no. perfect. They have limited. Jimmy Butler's not perfect, and you can't win with just Jimmy Butler. But you have to have a player like him. Every team that wins a championship has had a player like him since day dot. Yeah, you're not far wrong there. So... Miami, have they done enough in the offseason to come back and and challenge in the East with the likes of the Milwaukee Bucks who bring in Drew Holiday and still retain DiVincenzo in that botched deal that they tried to get Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Sacramento Kings. They get uh, Bryn Forbes from the San Antonio Spurs and Bobby Portis who's got a bit of mongrel about him. I like what Milwaukee have done. It would have been next level if they could get uh, Bogdanovich um, from the Sacramento Kings, but a bit of tampering, um, slow down and put a halt to that process. Miami, yes, I'm not t- enough or not enough? Milwaukee, enough or just enough? Look, I think just enough is a good way to describe it because – the rest of the East didn't really get that, like of the top East teams didn't really get much better. I think Milwaukee by default, and that's maybe why they didn't have to make all those moves. Um, Miami, it, you know, that was sort of a fluke getting to the finals, if we're honest. The, the bubble suited them perfectly, and it, like it suited no other team. Um, and I just think they got them at the wrong time in the wrong place. Uh, and so by default, Milwaukee, because Boston got worse, you know, Amen. Um, I yeah, don't really know sure who else is make a case. They're all kind of middling. Um, the East sort of looks less impressive this year than last year. The big question mark is, is Brooklyn a four or five seed or are they potentially going to be like a contender to be up there at the top of the standings in the East? For mine, I'm going to say contender, 100% not a pretender. I don't think you can fail with that team with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and the talent that they still have on that team with Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, Kuduks. Um, they got Jeff Green for peanuts on a veteran minimum as well. They still got Torian Prince, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan. They're stacked. Like on paper, they are absolutely stacked. I, I think um, if Kyrie does go down, you got Dinwiddie and you got... Durant to carry that team. And if Durant goes down, you know, we've seen Karis LeVert carry the mob and, you know, play, he could play second fiddle next to Kyrie Irving. Who's no mug? Let's not pretend, you know, we haven't seen Kyrie's best since, well, since Boston, really. His first, you know, 15 games in Boston because, what well, he only played a handful of games last season and shut it down due to his injury. So I think Brooklyn are going to surprise if, well, they not surprise a few team, a uh, few teams and or a few people. They're just going to be up there. I think from the start, Atlanta looked great with a couple of their moves, but um, yeah, I don't see them uh, cracking the top five, top six. Uh, Indiana's interesting. Not a lot of um, changes there. They do get Demanis Sabonis back from injury. 
Um, they were a playoff uh, team last year. Bubble. TJ Warren is week to week with a plantar fascia issue and going into a season that's a compressed season, that doesn't sound good to me. No, that's uh, horrible. And, and that's, that's a injury, and I think um, that cruels them in terms of their ceiling. They're definitely a, a, a solid potential knocking on the top four of the East. But look, Brooklyn, it, it's Brooklyn or bust in terms of the storylines in the East this year. We, no, one wants the, no one wants the same team in the conference to be top of the thing again like Milwaukee on paper looks like they're going to be and then flash out in the finals. Um, Brooklyn is the one thing that's going to make the East really interesting this year. And look, I just really hope Durant is 90% of what he used to be. And I'm not, th- I don't think he will be. I, I'm I think not sold. An injury like that will take a long time. And he's not, yeah, look, he's going to be a great shooter. He's going to make his threes. He's going to make his mid range. But getting to the rim as much as he did in the past, getting to the free throw line. And the defensive prowess that he showed in his last couple of years in Golden State, State yeah, I think those that, days are gone. I think that was the difference and is what we saw in Golden State. He had he had time to take plays off offensively with the talent of the Golden State Warriors. Therefore, he actually played better defensively. He wasn't as cooked on offense, like every play going through him or to him. So he could maximize his, his defense. And he looked great. Like he was getting couple of blocks a game, a steal a game. But, yeah, you're right. The Achilles injury will slow him down in terms of his first step and his athleticism, no doubt. But he's still going to be a knockdown shooter, like you said. And he, he could always just revert to his post game because he is still 6'11", 7' foot tall. The one thing that we'll, we'll be talking about, I'm sure, on our next podcast, we talked about it. Our last one, I believe, in terms of the Clippers and what was really missing on their team last year. And there was, I think we both agreed that the one thing they were really missing was leadership. So yes. this Brooklyn team, you look around, I mean, Kevin Durant, I mean, Kyrie makes Kevin Durant look like a great leader and he's not himself. Neither of those guys have proven themselves to be, you know, put their head down, bums up, get to work, get it done. They're both very happy to get sidetracked by media they're very willing to get upset about little things uh and they're and and Kyrie in particular is very happy to sit out with a not a questionable injury but an injury that wouldn't end most players seasons ends his seasons in the past so I feel like they're like the ultimate fragile team and if everything goes right they're gonna look (laughs) fantastic but when they hit the speed bumps that's the thing is Steve Nash you know rookie coach gonna be the the person to guide them through that. Is he going to rip in as well if Kyrie Irving does pull a stunt? Because Nash was a leader. Nash did whatever it took. Nash was that pure point guard that everybody looked to to make a play or get somebody the ball in the perfect opportunity to make a play or to finish a play. Now, Kyrie Irving has to be the extension of what Steve Nash wants. If Steve Nash is hard enough, tough enough to get Kyrie to do his work for him, I, well, I think it could work. Like if if Kyrie Irving buys in, and that's all he has to do here, buy in, play his role, and the, like I said, the team stacked. He could really, really do some and, damage. And I say all that, all that criticism with a lot of love because I really, really, really want Durant and Kyrie to succeed because I think it makes the entire NBA so much more compelling. 
if they jump out to a 10 and 2 start and Kyrie's 25 and 5 and Durant's getting 30s, and I just think it'll be an incredible story. So I really, really hope they don't hit, certainly don't hit early speed bumps. And I just can't wait to see those two players in the court together. Yeah. I mean, that definitely is the team I'm most looking forward to seeing with a bullet. Oh, I have to agree with you there. And like you said, getting D'Antoni as the assistant, you know they're going to be pushing the tempo. You know they're going to be running to the corners. You know there's guys like Jeff Green, Joe Harris, Torian, Torian Prince, Karis LeVert, Dinwiddie. They're all shooters. They're all going to get like a lot of points. It's going to be a fun, exciting team to watch. Um, another team, well, I don't know if I want to touch on them. I know you really wanted to get involved and talk about them. The return of Otto Porter Jr., is he going to be healthy enough? He's been injury-riddled. Uh, Lowry Markinen, Wendell Carter Jr., who's a great big. Uh, Kobe White looks to be the starting point guard with Chris Dunn moving on. I'm talking about the Chicago Bulls, your Chicago Bulls, Jeremy. Um, deep team, but deep of mediocre talent. I was going to say... That's a good qualification. When you said deep team, I nearly fell out, fell out of my chair. Um, look, I... <laughs> That's I why I'm sitting on the ground right now because, yeah, I'm still I'm still very unsure about the Chicago team. I'm... My take on the Bulls is the team looks like, in terms of what they did, they just look like, new, you know, new management. They finally got rid of Garpak. Uh, they just wanted to not make a big mistake. They didn't want to make a splashy contract move that was going to be heavily criticised. Lots of things like that. They just didn't want the criticism. And that seems to me what has influenced their decisions. As in, let's do nothing. Let's take the safe draft pick. Let's play out the season. Let's probably be uh, a 10th-ranked team in the East. Maybe we'll get some early good storylines to create some positive vibes. But, you know, we're going to settle into that bottom of the East and then rest everybody at the very end of the season, tank, basically <laughs> the back end. And get you are not going to beat the Sacramento Kings for a higher draft pick this season, I guarantee it, Chicago fans. <laughs> no, your Kings are looking good, man. I much prefer to talk about the Sacramento Kings. What's your take on them going to this season? No, miserable. Terrible, 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 terrible. Signing De'Aaron Fox to a max contract had to be done. If you were going to let uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich go, you draft uh, Tyrese Halliburton, who looks to be like a really solid point guard or backup two guard. I thought the Chicago Bulls were going to go for Halliburton just because, well, they must be really high on Kobe White. And I'd love to see Kobe White get 30, 32 minutes a game this season. If he comes off the bench, I'm going to cry. And I'll send an email to bloody Bulls management because that guy is an exciting player, a flat-out scorer, and it's something, you know, that Chicago Bulls fans should be able to get excited about. Levine, you know, his athleticism and scoring and, you know, marking and... He's on, the, he's on the trade block in my eyes, Larry Markin, and if he doesn't get his uh, act together and you know start contributing to that team and not 12 points, five rebounds a game, he needs to be averaging 17, 18, and eight or something like that in a couple of dimes because not enough by the big finish fella. Not enough. But Sacramento... Look, the um, Bulls... Sorry, yeah, go on about the Bulls. Think, while we're, 
that Kobe White, and even if he is a born scorer, Kobe White, uh, scoring is not what the Bulls need. The Bulls need playmaking. Um, unfortunately, Zach Levine, you know, on paper, on any other team, would potentially be a playmaker. But Zach Levine, when it comes to the crunch, is more likely, or as likely to dribble it onto his foot and out of bounds as he is to get a shot up. For every great, finishing, amazing play that he pulled off last year, for every one of those games, there's another game where a crucial possession came down to him having to dribble, 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 make a pass or a shot, and he dribbles it off his foot out of bounds. So he's just probably the worst dribbler of any of the top 50 NBA players oh, currently wow. in the league, and one of the I've ever seen for a player playing in the backcourt. Of his calibre, yeah. Uh, you know, it's just – but just in the backcourt, you, you have to have handles. It's just remarkable that someone like him – we're not even talking about playmaking. We're just talking about dribbling. Uh, and then playmaking on top of that, he's just not that player. And you just need that player. And we don't have those players. We don't have a forward who's a great passer. We don't have a point guard who is a great passer. I mean, if Kobe White is our starting point guard, yes, there's some scoring there. I'm not convinced on his defense. He's not big. He's got a big throw that makes him look a bit bigger than he is, but he's not tall. Love the throw. And uh, I, just, I, I just don't know. I, I look at you, your Sacramento Kings, and I've got a lot of players that I like. You've got a very, very good backcourt in Heald and Fox. Fox is a great playmaker. Heald's a great scorer. Marvin Bagley just has to be somewhat better than last year. Just just give me 15% improvement across the board. That's not that much to ask for a player of his age, if he can improve that much. I he, really, really like the possibility that stay on the court. Frisky. Or he should have just went to bloody Dallas or Atlanta and um, Kings should have had Doncic. So should we have a playful uh, lunch bet on uh, most wins or least wins? We both think our teams are going to have less wins than each other, it looks like. What yeah. do you think? Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. A, I'll go a coffee and a lunch for sure for the Sacramento Kings tanking their ass off to get. Honestly, I see Buddy Heel getting moved. He won't play the entirety of this season. Um, Nemanja Bjelica could be moved and packaged with Buddy Heel for more picks. I know for a fact that the Sacramento Kings are on the tank this season. Um, bringing in Whiteside's nice. Rashawn Holmes coming back from injuries. Nice Bagley, hopefully healthy. The Harrison Barnes contract still irks me, but, you know, that's the team. Let's run with it and pray for the best. I think I think Tyrese Halliburton's a good pick. Like, I think, what did we get him at? Like 11 or 12? And I think he was the only player to average uh, 14 or 15 points and five rebounds and five assists in college last season. So... His versatility, his playmaking ability, he has got a three-point shot. It looks a little bit ugly, a little bit slow release, reminiscent of Kevin Martin's shot. So bringing him to Sacramento is not a bad thing because Kevin Martin made it work. Well, I, think I think we've been in the weeds too long with our two irrelevant teams going into this year. What about we talk about a team that a lot of, a lot of people are expecting very big things this year, and I'm not sure. It could go one way or the other. Um, Dallas. And Luka Doncic have got the you know perfect fan approval rating. You know oh, the yeah. perfect up and coming team on the rise playoff. But this year will be the test. Can they jump up and become a top four team in the West? I'm not convinced. What I'm are your thoughts? No, no way, no chance. Like I, I don't see it happening. I see 
the Warriors being up there. I see the Denver Nuggets being up there above the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I just, I just don't see him being that good this season. Smoky, um, oh, Pels to be above Dallas. Uh, Phoenix to be above Dallas. I think getting Chris Paul, one of the biggest names out there, um, pairing him with one of the best shooters in the league and scorers, Devin Booker. They also got, um, well, they have Cam Johnson as well. They got Jay Crowder. Let's see what DeAndre Ayton can do, being healthy. Um, I like the Phoenix Suns. If I was a Phoenix Suns fan, I'd be stoked. If I was a Portland Trailblazer fan, I'd be stoked. Yeah, you might. You think Dallas might slip out of the eight altogether? Yeah, I do. I have them. I have them about eight or nine. I agree with you. They're much more likely to miss the playoffs than make the top four. I think that's. I think we both can agree on that. Yeah, without a doubt. I think with Utah, um, Utah will be up there again. They'll have uh, Bogdanovich back. Uh, They got Derek Favors back. Uh, from his hiatus over in uh, in NOLA. So, yeah, look, I think the West is very tricky, very tough, no nights off, and I see Dallas taking a lot of nights off with Porzingis injuries. And, you know, I hope hope Luka Doncic has, has a healthy season because he's so fun to watch. He's one of my favorite players um, at the moment. I have to be honest. I love yeah, watching well, it him would play. Fit, it would fit the storyline. And it fit the trajectory of most stars in the NBA is that they come out unblemished, everyone loves them, and then uh, quite quickly the talk becomes, why can't Luka Doncic lead this team to be a super successful team? That's the thing. Yeah. Will he be able to be a, will be able to break that ceiling? And and I think we both hope he can, but you know uh, we will uh, we will wait and watch because you, as you said, Phoenix uh, definitely would probably be considered ahead of them on paper. And uh, yeah, New Orleans, I'd say, could be could go either way. I'm, I'm not convinced about New Orleans. So uh, I love them. I think I'm happy they're a great side, but we'll we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And where they're do you have Dame? Close where do you have Dame Lillard's Trailblazers? Because they got Rocco as well. So Covington, um, Rodney Hood's uh, healthy. You know Gary Trent. You know they're pretty deep. Zach Collins. They got my boy Harry Giles for a steal. Still got Nazir Little. Well, Portland is a bit like New Orleans. They are very, very well known for slow starts and injuries. Those, both those franchises, slow starts and injuries. You know, media making excuses for why they haven't come together, why they haven't gotten better, yeah. and then you know, two thirds of the way through the season, all of a sudden they come to life and they put together a fifteen, twenty game. You know, where they're Straight. looking really impressive. So I. I love Dame. He's probably in my top five players in the entire league. Oh, I have nice. him in a fantasy you know, keeper league, and I, you know, I just I love watching him play. I love his attitude. Now he is the kind of player who I consider an absolute out and out leader. You know, he's the definition of a leader. Um, so I I I love I love him, and I love Nurkic, and I love Whiteside not being there. That helps. <laughs> yeah, but I just don't think, I don't have enough depth. I think Melo is a perfect position in the bubble. He was super motivated. I don't think you want to have a situation where you're asking him to do too much. No, yeah. Um, this I, will also he'll find he'll out share minutes Collins with Rodney it. Hood, I think. Like, Rodney Hood, healthy and, you know, 
they got Derek Jones Jr. from Miami as well. So he's another super athletic wing um, that could eat into Carmelo Anthony's minutes. You know, we could see Covington playing, you know, the center and Derek Jones Jr. at the four, and they could go Gary Trent Jr., shooter, CJ McCollum, shooter, Damian Lillard, shooter, scorer, like, and playmaker. So I think they got a lot of facets and a lot of looks that they could give, uh, you know, opposing teams. I, I, I do like the Portland Trailblazers this season. And, well, and again, way, 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 way above I, I, the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, look, I, I can't really disagree with a lot of that possibility that you just said there. Um, it's quite a compelling argument. I still think even with all those things, if they come off as you predict, I still think they're maybe a five seed at best. Yeah, yeah. I still don't see them any better. Yeah, the West is killer. Yeah, I think five, six for sure. Maybe so who even do we seven. think at the top of the West? We've obviously got the Lakers as our number one. Who, who's two, three, and four, do you think? Uh, I don't want to say it, but I have to say it. I think it's the Clippers, number two, uh, three. Oh, three's so tough. It could be Denver. It could be Golden State. Depends what we get from um, Ubre Jr. And, and Curry and Wiseman. Like You know, the tenacity of Draymond Green, is it still there? Like they had all their, you know, Jordan Poole, Damian Lee, uh, Marquise Chris, Paschal, all those guys that played major minutes last season. Now they're being relegated to the bench. They get Brad Wanamaker from the Boston Celtics. Now they're deep. If their starters and their stars can remain healthy, then it looks like they've got a decent team. Like I, I see them potentially being three or four. And yeah, I, I talked... Talk Portland up, Phoenix Suns, uh, Utah. So, yeah, Portland, Phoenix, Utah, Golden State. They're my three, four, five, six, I'd say. Right. I, I, I agree most of that. I, I would put Utah ahead of Golden State, to be honest. I just think Golden State could be another team that just is having another bizarre reset year. The, the, the vibe around the place with Clay going down, uh, I just... I don't know if Curry's that you know singular guy anymore that can carry a team. Um, he can carry a team and he can put up numbers, but that team's probably you know on pace for kind of like a 50, 52 win team, not necessarily a high fifties team that you really need to be to be guaranteed a top four spot in the West. I think this is Utah's put up or shut up year, and so long as the Gobert talk stays okay, I think Utah should be in that in that fourth spot. That's that's where I would put it, and then. I put a blanket over Golden State, Portland, Phoenix, Dallas, and New Orleans. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I, I agree with that. As um, I can't disagree with it, to be honest, because we haven't seen Golden State play with this team. Curry's been injured. Uh, Wiggins, Oubre Jr., super athletic wings. But, you know, come crunch, what can they do to get the Ws? Like, you know, are they going to be just guys that, you know, set a screen and move and play the wings and let Curry do his thing because there is no other shot creator on that team. Like when oh, Draymond, yes, but he's getting slower. He has to come out in phenomenal shape for Golden State to really, um, to really uh, put a dent in this season. So Denver Nuggets for me, um, yeah, three and four, I think. 
them losing uh, old mate, what's his name, Jeremy Grant to the Detroit Pistons was a bit crazy and signing Paul Millsap for another season. Um, but if Michael Porter Jr. just does somewhat similar than what he showed at the bubble, they won't even remember Jeremy Grant. Yeah, I do. And like, even if yeah, okay. yep. slight improvement, he takes up he takes up Grant's Yeah, they got Jermichael Green from the Clippers as well, so... Jermichael Green can fill that four slot, and you know, he's a bit—he's a better shooter than Jeremy Grant on the wings as well. He was a knockdown shooter last season. I think shooting forty-eight or forty-nine percent from the wings for the Clippers. So it's money in the bank there. Money in the bank. Is there? Is there? Very good. Team? Do you want to wrap it up with chat about the uh, predictions in the East? Yeah. Okay. I can predict that the Boston Celtics aren't going to be as good as they were last year. Um, I don't know. I think Kemba Walker being injured until or missing till January, that puts a lot of pressure on Marcus Smart and Jeff Teague. He's a veteran, played for a few teams, but, you know, uh, are they going to be patient enough to, you know, go 50-50 even to start the season for the first, you know, 15 games? Whilst, um, you know, the Atlanta Hawks could come out firing with Trey Young, Bogdanovich, Kevin Huerta, or Herder, I should say, and Rajan Rondo. Like, that's a sneaky good team if Clint Capella can be sort of the guy who was before his injury for Houston Rockets. I um, They'll turn a few heads. The signing of Danilo Gallinari, you know, Hunter, Cam Reddish, those guys developing. I... S- I'm going to say, I see them making the playoffs this year. I see Atlanta making the playoffs. That would be my second most intriguing team to see in the flesh uh, after Brooklyn. I'm uh, yeah. I'm intrigued. I, I I will reserve judgment, but uh, I'm intrigued. Because they made a lot of moves. They lot of, made a lot of moves and there's a lot of youth there. So to see what Gallinari brings, Capella brings to, uh, to that mob, be interesting. Another interesting team for me as the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, but, yeah, they're the West. We're talking East. I'm going to say Philly's going to be up there. Um, Philly top three in the East. Have to give props to uh, the Toronto Raptors for signing big, bad Aaron Baines. I think that's a great signing for them. Um, you know, while Mark Gasol's on the decline, what we saw last year from him, he played okay, but Baines was amazing last year. He played incredibly well. Like, and it all started, I think, you know, just before he left Boston, he developed that range and, you know, the team trusted him to take and make shots. And we saw that roll into the boomers and destroy it for the boomers and, also, his play with the Phoenix Suns last year was stellar, so he can really be that five that stretches the floor for the Toronto Raptors like Serge Ibaka did last season, and he brings a bit of athleticism for a big boy. Um, see Arkham's prime for another big year. Fred Van Fleet signed that big deal. Um, their bench is a bit non-existent. Norman Powell, Stanley Johnson... Boucher, Davis, but yeah, it has to be Kyle Lowry to be healthy all season for them to succeed. Uh, Washington, as we spoke before, are going to be very interesting. Uh, Can they make 
the eight, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say seventh or something like that. New York Knicks are going to be stanking. So Miami will be up there. Milwaukee will be top of the East, I think. And we probably should give uh, 30 seconds to uh, the revamped Charlotte Hornets. Do you reckon uh, they uh, will get their their little mini playoff drought with the acquisitions of Gordon Hayward and uh, the uh, the latest ball brother to hit the NBA? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say a big no. I I really like LaMelo Ball. His vision, he measured six foot eight. And that was without shoes the other day when he rocked up to training camp. So he's added more size. If he can get that shot to drop and he can start at point guard above Rogier or uh, Graham and Rogier and Graham play the two, uh, Gordon Hayward was a good signing for them. They overpaid, but that's what small market teams have to do to acquire a, a very good player, which Gordon Hayward is. PJ Washington's very intriguing at that four spot. Super athletic, can stretch the floor. Young, had a very good rookie season. Uh, I don't know. I, I say no. I, I think that center spot... I actually think, I think Charlotte can do good. I think Charlotte's going to be prize in the East this year. Um, not not a great team, but they'll, I reckon their playoffs, I reckon Gordon Hayward has been underutilized and under under uh, valued for the last couple of years. He's, he's definitely a better when he's the main the main target, and he will be the main target in Charlotte. Oh, yeah. I saw Lamella person uh, against the Kings last season, uh, season before. I don't know. Was that last season? It seems so long ago. Yeah, it started, was yeah season, he was yeah. last season. And uh, I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to make an impact. He certainly will get uh, attention on the on the game style that he has. I think it's perfect. You don't want him to be your number one, but if he's your number three, that's great. Devontae Graham, if he takes another step up, he's great. And then Rogier's your sixth man. I, I just – obviously, they're big. They're the question mark. Cody um, Zeller, Bismack, Biombo. Like, <sighs> yeah, that's, that's a pretty, it's pretty weak. But, you know, and, and there aren't that many – Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I mean, coaching will we'll come down to coaching, come down to motivation. I just think there's good vibes around Charles, and I and I would think that they should settle into that seventh or eighth spot in the East. Wow, that's a huge call. So putting a line through the Orlando Magic. Well, they might be the eighth seed, but they'll just be the irrelevant eighth seed again. As they, you know, at, at best, I, I can't see them moving up. And and you talked about trades earlier. I think they're. They inevitably have to be in trade mode this year. Aaron Gordon, what a waste. Let's see him on another team, see what he can do somewhere else. And what about Nikola Vucevic? He's like he's the ultimate center, I think, uh, in this day and age, With along with Nikola Jokic. He stretches the floor, can play a bit of D, knock down mid-range shooter, one of the best mid- mid-range shooters in the in the entire league. Uh, his trade value. Extremely durable, extremely yeah. consistent as well. I think they could garner again, a lot of I, a lot of picks back, or you know, I'm putting a line th- anyway. I'm putting a line through the Orlando Magic. I'm putting a line through the New York Knicks. Uh, I don't see the Detroit Pistons doing anything. Maybe they could trade Blake Griffin with their 16 forwards that they signed in the off season, uh, Plumlee and Okafor and Grant, and they still have the young dude uh, Dumbuya who played really well last season in limited minutes. Uh, yeah. 
Your Bulls, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, I don't see them being there. Oh, the um, Cavaliers. They're there in one offseason, the Bulls. That's, that's, I definitely want to watch less than five minutes of them this season. That's okay. I don't want to draft anyone. It's okay because they don't have any television games uh, this season. Uh, the Wizards don't have any, which is very surprising. Now they have Russell Westbrook. Uh, the San Antonio I'm pretty sure Spurs, they're going to be on television. They're not nationally televised. Not nationally televised games. Sorry, that's what I meant. So the Cavs, if they weren't the Kings, on television, Magic, that would be that. <laughs> that really, really would be irrelevant. <laughs> if you want to waste your life watching the Cleveland Cavaliers, please go down to their stadium and watch them play live in person because they are not going to be on TV at all. Because people will probably just smash Very their good. TVs. But uh, yeah, who, who's your who's your lock, like your top five in the East? Um, well, if we work from the backwards up, I think the five seed is uh, is Indiana's all over the five seed. They own that. Yep. Um, I'm looking at Boston in four, Miami in three, uh, Milwaukee at one. So I guess that and kind Brooklyn. of process of elimination. I'm going to give you Brooklyn just because it's just what I want to see. I, if I had to put money on it, I probably wouldn't call them two, but I just think from a talent point of view, um, the two seed is very much open in the East, and I'd love to see them in it. I'd love to see them being relevant. Uh, I'd love, I hope Kyrie is playing at the back end of the season, unlike every other season that he's played lately where he's – I mean, last season was an extreme, but even seasons before that, he was always missing the last 20, 30 games of every season. I just want to see them all upright. You know, I love Steve Nash, one of my favorite players ever. So I, I wish them the best. And oh, so I'd you're a big Nash fan season. as well. Nice. Oh, by far on my top five ever. Most run to the TV when they're playing kind of players. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Something I didn't know about you. Tick next to there Jeremy. You go. Nice one. Well, I think that's all we have got time for today, Dimers. Jeremy, your valued input. Outstanding. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. We'll do it again real soon, okay, mate? Sounds good. All right, amazing. And thanks very much, Dimers, for tuning in. And we'll catch you very soon on The Dime.